Hello everyone, and how are you doing today? My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, especially if you're reading my new book, Crucify My Love. I hope you like it. If you're interested in it and like audiobooks, if you go to your favorite podcast app, as long as it's not Apple Podcasts because they haven't approved the podcast yet, but I'll let you know when they do, but just go to anchor.fm slash mask of the gods no spaces no dashes no nothing just mask of the gods you'll find everywhere that it's at check it out i am really excited and i hope you love it as much as i do today's episode is brought to you by viewer request so hipster spock over on twitter asked one of my little known accounts that i use for the business um, if I would discuss Netflix's Love, Death, and Robots. And I am so glad you did, Hipster Spock. I am so glad you did, because I had been on the fence as to whether or not I wanted to watch this series, because I, I'm I'm really on the fence when it comes to any quote-unquote adult animation, and... I, I I had had it in my queue for a while, and yeah, I, I wasn't sure if and when I was going to watch it, but we watched it over the weekend, and I, I have to say, okay, if you don't know what it is, Love, Death, and Robots is a series on Netflix that it's 18 episodes that range from about 17 minutes to, I think, down to five they're shorts, they're separate stories. It is an animation anthology series that really the only things the episodes have in common are they deal either with love, death, or robots. Um, or sometimes, yeah, yeah, actually love, death, or robots, that's it. And for the most part, before we get into spoilers, it's it's a good series. Most almost every one of the shorts I thought was very good. A little bit more nudity than I thought the shows some of the episodes required, and I felt like some of them had gratuitous sex in them just for the sake of gratuitous sex. But for the most part, it was a good show. It was it's a good series. I liked most of them. I felt that it was brave that so many of them tried for this almost hyper-realistic 3D um, animated style, many of which pulled it off, some not so much. Almost every, almost if not every one of these was uh, computer-generated in that they used 3D models. There's a couple that I'm not sure about. And that could either be that they did such a good job with their 3D models that they fooled me, or they hand animated. If you want, I could really do a breakdown episode by episode and really go into each, most of the episodes. 
and do like a full episode of the show on them. So if you all want that, or if you have a particular one that you'd like me to talk about, definitely hit me up. I'm going to hit some of the major highlights. And yeah, so having said all that, we're now going to go into spoilers. So if you have not seen Love, Death, and Robots on Netflix, and you don't want any spoilers, spoilers are incoming in five, four, three, two, one. Love, Death, and Robots starts with a bang. Sunny's Edge is so good. It 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 it's a robot I, I want I want to say robot but robot doesn't really work in this case unless we're talking about you know hyper organic robots uh, much more akin to maybe what you would see in Evangelion basically the idea of the episode is there's a gladiatorial arena where people project their consciousness into these flesh machines and then they fight in a grotesque gore match to see who wins. And our main character, Sonny, is out for revenge against the group of people who gang raped and uh, abused her. It, it's really well made. I should have said this before, spoilers, but... You know, I'm a fan of uh, Kisho, Ken, Kisho Ten Ketsu story development, where you introduce the world, you develop the world, you introduce a twist, and then you bring it back into harmony. Almost every one of these shorts follows that method of storytelling to a, to the to a T. And it works really well in this short form because we meet our characters, we develop the world, we get the twist, and then we bring it back into harmony. And even though we're in the spoilery thing for a lot of these, I'm going to try not to spoil the twists too much, because I know some of you are listening to this, having not seen it, and some of the twists are the best parts of this. This one was one of the first ones that introduced nudity, or like really early on. The characters are interesting, and... I really wish it was the pilot for a series, because I would probably watch a series based off of these characters and set in this world, even though it would probably be darker than I would like outside of a 17-minute short, but I really liked it. I am going to skip ahead to the episode two, Three Robots. Three Robots on a sightseeing tour of a post-apocalyptic Earth... What, what more could you want? It's funny. And this this is where they did a really good job. The first one, Sunny's Edge, is dark. It's twisted. It's exciting. It's gory. It has a lot of really good action sequences in it that really build till you get to the twist. Three Robots, again, a great, a great way to follow up. Is the exact opposite. It's really funny and lighthearted, and just the idea of these three robots, one of which I'm pretty sure they used a scripting AI, and it's Siri. I'm pretty sure because it sounds just like her. Um, really funny, made me laugh, and I, I don't know what more you want from a show. The witness. 
was bizarre and timey-wimey and I love that uh, suits now this is where I'm gonna have a hard time not spending the entire episode talking about this this is probably my favorite it's hard to say because there were so many really good ones in here but suits was probably my favorite one it involves a community of farmers and their homemade mechs just to read the description a community of farmers use their homemade mechs to defend their families against alien invasion the alien design was really cool the mechs were fun they really looked cobbled together the animation style on this one it kind of reminded me a little bit of Wildstar. Like, if you told me that this story was set in the Wildstar universe, I I would I I would just go, oh, okay, and roll with it because it it reminds me of those old shorts that were released before Wildstar came out that convinced me to buy the game because they were so funny that whether the game was good or not, I wanted to give them money just to say thank you for all the entertainment leading up to the show, up to the game coming out. They also introduced a world that I really want to spend a lot more time with. The characters that we meet, the characters that we interact with are really interesting. The art style was phenomenal and very distinct. And that's something you can't say for a lot of these, because again, like I said, a lot of these go for a very hyper-realistic human aesthetic. And this one did not. They're very cartoonish, but oh, it's powerful. It's gut-wrenching. The story is so good. I I, I want an entire series. I, I want an entire series. This I, I have rarely been inspired, especially by just 17 minutes of film, to want to write fan fiction, but oh, I kind of want to build out this universe and spend more time in it. It's fascinating. It's beautiful, especially when you get to the twist. When you see what the twist is and how that affects or doesn't your understanding of what's happening. Oh, oh, this one. If, if you don't watch any other one, definitely watch Suits. It's, it, it's brilliant. It's the fourth one in and if you like that definitely think about checking out the others the sucker of souls to me was the first time that it disappointed me and there's not really anything to spoil here in that it gives away its premise right from the beginning archaeologists are hunting the grave of Vlad Tepish and they find him, and lo and behold, he's still alive. And yeah, he's a vampire. They have a very interesting idea of what vampires are. The art style is what it is. I, I wasn't a huge fan of the art in this one. The, the other problem that I had was the characters. While even in Suits, the characters are kind of archetypal in that you only have 17 minutes with them, so... You can't get too in-depth with each one of the characters. These... <clears throat> they, they, they were your stereotypical action movie with vampires in it. 
And I don't know. I, I think I've just seen too many of these from the Resident Evil movies to World War Z. I Am Legend. Like, if you've seen any of those, I don't think that this one had much to offer. And if it was by itself, I might actually have a higher opinion of it. But when you compare it to... There's an episode that comes later. Uh, what 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 was it called? Um, was it Blindshot? Or no, it was Alternate Histories. No, Secret War. Secret War. Secret War takes on a similar idea. It's the Red Army fighting demons during the Second World War in the Force of Siberia. And because of the similarity between the two, it, it for me, unfortunately, destroyed the quality. Like, I was kind of okay with what I had seen in The Sucker of Souls until we got to The Secret War. And The Secret War was just like, oh, that's a similar idea, but done so much better. And it went from an okay episode to... I don't know why it's in the mix. Like, I understand why it's early in the mix, because if, unlike me, you don't watch the entire thing in, on a Sunday afternoon, um, you might be able to have some distance and judge it on its own merit, but because we watched the whole thing on a Sunday afternoon, uh, it it doesn't work compared to the just the pathos and just the Russian fatalism of the Secret War. And that was probably a mistake, putting them in the same group. I mean, I, I don't know what I would have done to fix it, but uh, the Secret War was so much fun. And so just tragic and sad and beautiful. It, it was like a Russian novel, but fighting demons because yeah that's what it was about <laughs> so yeah it, it 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 did kind of ruin sucker of souls uh when yogurt took over the world i don't know what to say about this one other than again i kind of want a kid a, a kids or even an adults this this is the only one of the shorts that I would say is definitely probably safe for kids but oh my goodness it was so funny it made me laugh wonderfully lighthearted and oddly enough it made me want to live in a world where the yogurt had taken over and that's that's a strange feeling to have to be quite honest beyond the Aquila Rift. If there's one episode I really could have done without, it's this one. And it's because I'm old. I'm really going to say it that way. I don't know if this was or not, but I, I, when I was a kid, and so this would be back in the 90s, I used to read Heavy Metal Magazine, which was an adult-oriented science i'm going to be very nice and say science fiction fantasy magazine you might know it better from the two movies they did heavy metal and heavy metal 2000 i think was the second one 
but yeah, it was a magazine that had short stories and comics in it, but they were definitely geared for adults and they often had stories of sex and nudity and watching this episode, I almost, I could almost swear I have read this issue of heavy, of heavy metal and it made it feel derivative for me. Like as soon as the episode started, there was, there was something about the way the ships looked and the way the jump gate looked that brought up this weird, like memory in me. I don't know if it was based on a story from heavy metal or if maybe the creators had read that issue and it had subconsciously planted itself in their brains and then popped back out. That can happen to a writer if we're not careful. But yeah, it, it, it felt like something I had seen before. And again, in a wonderful series of shorts that so many of them were just so bizarre and strange and just fresh, it felt out of place to me. I'm not going to say it was bad because of that, but I really have a hard time judging it because of that. It, it really did remind me of an issue of Heavy Metal from like 1995. And I wish I could remember the name of the story, but like my mind, the way my mind's working is like, I have memories of the glossy pages and some of the artwork, but yeah, I, I, I can't speak to why, but it, it, it didn't work for me because of that. And that's a very me specific reason. Other than that, it was probably fine. <laughs> I mean, a little overly sexual for my taste, but eh, that also helped to remind me of the old heavy metal magazines I used to read. Good Hunting. I would almost put this on the list of... Th this was almost my absolute favorite if it wasn't for the fact that there was just something about um, suits that really blew my mind away. This would have been my number one choice. And his really close second, if not tied for first, it's a steampunk thing about a demon hunter and the spirits that they hunt. It takes place in China during the Victorian era. And unlike most steampunk stories, it's from the point of view and perspective of the colonized Chinese. And that really changes everything. The art is beautiful and haunting. The story is engrossing and just really, really just took my breath away. I mean, them hunting for the Huli Jing just, oh, there was something about this that just blew me away. It, it's graphic and disturbing at many points. But, I don't know, it just, it it was beautiful. Really good. I'm trying to get through as much as I can, and I hope I'm doing the good service, because there's just so much I want to talk about. The Dump, funny. D gross. Funny. Just definitely check it out. Um, Shapeshifters. This is one I wanted to stop on and spend some time on. I, again, want an entire series in this world. I'm really curious about it. I, I get a feeling, because of some of the lines that were said in this, that somebody heard the phrase dog soldiers 
and had a weird moment of thought. Basically, the 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 plot of the story is what if we had werewolves embedded with our soldiers in Afghanistan? And I would say I don't want to spoil this, but it 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 goes kind of the way that you would expect for a war story to go. But there's something actually really interesting in how they've set this up with the racism between the human soldiers and the werewolves. You get a hint that they actually thought about wolves, the wolf culture and what it should be like and how it's both similar to and distinct from American culture. I don't know. There was, there was something about this one in that I, I wanted more. The art style is m- more realistic, though it uses one of the tropes that really starts wearing the series down for those that are for for the few shorts that are really trying for that hyper realism thing in that when they realized they couldn't do some of the techniques that they really wanted for example the hair in this one when they go into wolf mode we we see them at night where it's very dark and they like a lot of these shorts use darkness to cover a multitude of sins in rendering. And I don't think that's really the smartest way to go, mainly because so many of them use it that it becomes very obvious what they're doing. And as somebody who plays around with 3D rendering, I use it quite a bit in a lot of the art that I do. There, There is something to just turn down the lights, just turn down the lights, just turn down the lights because yeah darkness can cover a lot of rendering sins but it it does become just way too obvious that that's what you're doing in some of these now having said that i their werewolves are virtually immortal in this story which makes me wonder what their weaknesses actually are I, I don't know, I, I want to know more, especially especially with the way that this episode ends. It, it kind of ends in this kind of open moment that, like a good short story, it leaves you wanting more. I, I, I want to know what, what happens next. Helping Hand was written and created by somebody who watched Gravity and said, you know, there's a much more disturbing way that we could have made that movie end. That's all I'm going to say about it. It 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 was interesting, but yeah, that's pretty much what it was. Fish night, fish night. Again, one of those that I think had nudity in it for absolutely no reason. It's beautiful. It it's maybe one of the most beautiful cartoons, animations, whatever I'm supposed to call them, in the series. And basically, the premise is. If ghosts of humans can haunt houses, why can't ghosts of animals haunt the places where they used to live? And the answer is, they do. And it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. And as with all of these, tragic. Because, as you know, as we've already discussed, every episode has to deal with love, death, or robots. And there's no love or robots in the story, so 
fill in the blank. Haunting, beautiful, really well done. Lucky 13, again, would kind of like a series in this world because I found myself wondering a lot of things like who are they fighting, what's the war about, you know, stuff like that. So this one stars Samira Wiley, who you may know as Pusey from Orange is New Black. Uh, okay, the weirdest thing about this episode is that they, like, you know that that's who this is based on because they really, really made the main character look like her. And yeah, that that's an interesting choice to have done. And very interesting choice to have made. If you actually look at the cast, they did a very fairly good job of making all of the characters look like the actors who play them. And that that's something that really should be explored in an entire episode on the Uncanny Valley. Because it worked, and it didn't work. Mainly because I am so used to seeing her in live action stories that when it got a little cartoon I don't want to say cartoony but when it's animation showed through it, it made it feel almost faker in some ways because I knew what she should look like but beyond that the story is very compelling the the animation is overall good it's it's this one more than any of the others felt like something that I'm pretty sure has been said about quite a few of these episodes. And that is it, it it's kind of like a really high quality video game cutscene. And unlike some of the others, I feel like this one did the best at portraying emotions on the CG characters, especially the actors in this one. I felt like they were really feeling the emotions. This is one of my biggest complaints with Beyond the Aquila Rift. I feel like in that one, the facial expressions don't... It That one very much felt like a video game cutscene in that the characters' faces don't always match the emotions that they are supposed to be conveying. This one did a much better job at that. The stories interesting and needs to be fleshed out just because it's such an interesting premise basically lucky 13 is a drop ship that the first two crews everybody died like everybody died and then when she takes over they basically have a a zero casualty like it just works like everything's magic until we get to the end and again i'm trying not to spoil these because the twist endings i think are really really good and i know people do listen to these to find out what i think about a show i don't want to spoil the twist but it, it I, I want to know so much more about this world this is one that hopefully will be seen as the precursor or pilot for a full series because i i would watch I, I would watch more about the lucky 13 i'm curious about the missions what they were doing why they were at war, what made the ship so special, all of that. Okay, we're getting towards the end of the episode, and I haven't talked about everything. So Zima Blue, story-wise, 
maybe the best, the absolute best story in the entire thing of stories. Really liked it. It was tight. It had a wonderful beginning, middle, and end. Really liked it. It was brilliant. And that one, whether you guys ask for it or not, I might do a full episode on just because the ideas brought up in it kind of deserve that. So look for that in the future. Blind Spot was hilarious. Gang of Cyborg Thieves in a heist. What more could you want? Again, I kind of want these cyborgs to exist in the same world as the people in suits and do a series. Really do. I I, I enjoyed it a lot. Ice Age was weird. Didn't really like it. Alternate Histories was funny. All the different ways you can kill Hitler. And then some. Ice Age... Ice Age was weird. I'm not even going to talk about that. But... Yeah. All in all, it was a great series. If you want me to go into detail on any of these, like I said, Zima Blue, I probably will do a full episode breakdown on it because philosophically, I think it had the most to say of all of the episodes. But definitely, if you haven't checked out Love, Death, and Robots, you should. It's very good. It's, it's very good. There's only a couple that... I didn't like, but as you heard, it was for strange reasons. So, If you liked this episode and the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate either this episode or the podcast in general, please do that. That tells the algorithm to share me with more people. That helps out a lot. If you got a dollar, you can throw my way down in the show notes. You'll see a link to Anchor Community Support. If you click that, you can give it, you can give it the $1, $5, or $10 levels. That money helps me do everything. So thank you to those who do that. If you don't have any money and you still want to help out or you just don't feel like giving right now, that's fine. Um, Just share this podcast with people so that we can really make this ours. I really enjoy doing episodes like this that you all ask for. That that makes me happy because I really want this to be a community podcast. And I hope I did justice, Hipster Spock. I, I really do. I'm definitely going to go back to some of these, especially Zemo Blue, and talk about them in much more detail. So if you haven't seen it, at least go watch that one, because that will probably happen soon. Uh, yeah. If you want to hit me up on Twitter, I am C.E. Dorset on Twitter. That's probably the best social network to find me on. I spend way too much time there. Yeah. Or you can go to Anchor.fm, download the Anchor app, follow Project Shadow, and then click the voice message button keep it clean it can be a question a comment or a topic you'd like to hear discussed on the show because as i said earlier i really want this to be our show Alrighty, until next time don't forget have the fun bye